Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. During the Coach B era, we have not enjoyed much success at the Kohl Center or against Wisconsin, period. That continued on Saturday as we lost an ugly affair to the Badgers. On our game day segment in just a minute, we'll be joined by Brendan Quinn from the Athletic Detroit with his take on that performance and much more. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. I think we all knew Michigan would not go undefeated this year. On the road in the Big Ten, there is not much room for error. If you have a subpar night, you will get beat. That was the case in Madison on Saturday. Tonight, Minnesota pays a visit to Chrysler, and we need to bounce back. It won't be easy. This is a team that beat Wisconsin at the Kohl Center just a couple of weeks ago. Then on the weekend, we head to Bloomington for a rematch with Indiana, and that will be tough. There is still a lot of basketball to be played, though. I suppose my only concern is the team peaked early and maybe has already hit their ceiling. On the other hand, we have a lot of young talent that is developing on this team, and it's possible the best is yet to come in February and March, and with Coach B teams, that is usually the case. That's what makes it fun, it's a journey, so let's enjoy it. My guest today says he thinks Michigan will be in the thick of the race all the way. Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit is up next, here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week to talk some Michigan and Big Ten hoops, uh, Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. Great to have you back with us, Brendan. Mike, always a pleasure to, to speak with you. I think it's the first time in 2019. Glad to be back on the show, man. Well, always a pleasure. And yes, it is our first time and there's a lot to talk <laughs> about. And of course, over the weekend, uh, it was interesting. We knew it would happen sooner or later. Michigan was not going to go undefeated. They were going to lose a game. And they did Saturday in Madison. And as often happens when you play up there, with that style of a basketball team, it was an ugly game to watch, wasn't it? It was. It was a. It was a bit of a meat grinder. I was standing there before the game, uh, watching warm ups and stuff. Uh, Luke Yakovich wandered over, and uh, we kind of traded some small talk. And uh, at one point, he just kind of looked around and said to no one in particular, "You know, this is going to be a. This is going to be a grind." And uh, <laughs> and it was. I mean, they knew it was coming, and uh, that's that's the style of play. You know, Wisconsin wants to make you work for everything. Both teams play uh, low-possession games, so it's going to be a little bit slower. So when you match up with each other, it's going to be even slower than slow. And Saturday's game ended up um, being – or Sunday's game. I'm not, I don't remember which day. But um, <laughs> I think I think it ended up being 66 possessions, which is pretty, pretty slow. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you had to work for every basket, and Michigan tried to steal some here and there with – uh, getting out and running a little bit more than they do uh, resulted in a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers. And that's what Wisconsin does when they're at their best is they just kind of frustrate you and they play, you know, tough on the, on the ball defense and they draw some charges and they drew four against Michigan in that game. And it just builds and builds and the frustration comes and, 
you know, that's how Michigan ends with a 10-point loss. Well, as you said, uh, Wisconsin needed that W bad. I think they had lost four of their last six. Uh, so, And it's, as we've just said, it's no secret when you play them, it's a grind. Every possession counts. And you cannot against them or anyone turn the ball over 16 times, can you? Yeah, it's, uh, you realize um, just how how much you take it for granted almost um, the, the way that Michigan is able to take care of the ball, especially just in recent history. Um, one of the stats that dug out after the game was, uh, you know, the, the statistic that doesn't get talked about often enough is, is turnover percentage. And that is percentage of possessions in a game that you commit a turnover. Uh, Michigan is usually in the top 10 nationally in that category. They are currently eighth, even with uh, this weekend's game. But since 2010-11, uh, Michigan had not committed 24%. Uh, turnovers in a game uh, or had only done so five times in 310 games and this weekend was one of those games so it it speaks to um, just how well they do in that area and just how rare it is for for something like that to happen and um, when a team is so dependent on that uh, when it goes sideways like that it's going to be damn near impossible to, to win. No, absolutely. And you know, Coach Guard said after the game, you can't focus on just one player against Michigan. You just have to play yeah. team defense, which uh, is not the strategy of, uh, of a lot of teams. And their D, though, you have to give them credit. I mean, the 16 turnovers, very rare for a John Beeline coach team, but their defense was outstanding. Yeah, they get up in you. Uh, they, they use uh, Ethan Happ in a variety of ways. He's a smart player who moves well and uh, has a tremendous tremendous amount of length and can get his hands on a lot of balls and is very disruptive and they can move him around and kind of throw him on different people. Like at some point he was on Charles Matthews and all that length, you know, Ethan Happ is 6'10". You put a 6'10 guy on Charles Matthews, but like he's not used to that. So um, he he's a guy who they can move around and put in a different bunch, a bunch of different spots. And uh, between that and, you know, a guy like Brad Davidson, who you know, will kind of is a bit of a gnat and will harass uh, guys on the perimeter. And um, Demetri Trice can, you know, he moves well and he can play some solid defense. They they just get you all over the place. And then you know, on the other side, they just had uh, you know, Michigan really wanted to limit uh, Wisconsin's threes, and they did so. But um, the, the threes that Wisconsin did get came from unexpected guys and at really inopportune times for Michigan. You know, and Ethan Happ, I think everyone loves watching Ethan Happ. He's been such a great player for four years. A lot of folks think he is the best player in the in the Big Ten. But man, that free throw shooting of his, that's tough to figure out, isn't it? It is. And you watch him go through warm-ups and he makes shots. Um, it's more so when he gets in games. And it, it, I think his form even changes in real time. It's a struggle, and you know Michigan obviously tried to go with the hack a hap um, strategy, which most teams do, mm-hmm. and it, it, it didn't it didn't work out. You know, obviously with that with that foul call that caught some people off guard, but it was the correct call. Um, yeah, it's you know I, I think if they had to play it again, they'd do the same thing. You're they started fouling Hap, I believe, with about just under two and a half minutes left, and that sounds right to me. That's what I would have done the first time they did get a foul call he went one of two and you take that all day well when you're 17 and one uh, fans don't focus often on problem areas for the team probably just think hey it was an off day in madison saturday 
Offensively, though, do you see any red flags or issues of concerns with this offense moving forward? For what you've seen in the last two games with teams who, you know, even though, yes, Wisconsin plays greater team defense, um, it, it's it's clear, you know, that Northwestern game and this Wisconsin game, teams are going to want Teske and Simpson to take those shots. And now John Teske's been playing really well and Xavier Simpson has been playing really well. But if you can limit the shot attempts by the other, the big three, Poole, Brasdakis, and Matthews, um, that's probably the best recipe for trying to take down Michigan. And in that game on, um, on let's get it right this time, Saturday, right. um, <laughs> Brasdakis and Matthews com- only combined for 10 shot attempts, while Xavier Simpson had 12 shot attempts. So, you know, no offense to Xavier Simpson, he's having a hell of a year, but you can't have him taking more shots than Matthews and Brasdakis combined. Like, that can't happen. So, you know, Beeland's going to have to dial some things up. They're being defended differently, um, and they're going to have to find some ways to get uh, those two in better positions to uh, get the shots that come naturally to them. Well, talking about Charles Matthews for just a moment, I mean, we know what he gives us on defense, but and this just might be me, but I keep waiting for him to take the lead or break out on offense but maybe it is what it is do you think he's ever going to develop into that kind of a player um you know i mean he had some moments early this year certainly he was he was excellent in the villanova game i believe he had 19 in that one uh north carolina game he was excellent uh he went for over 20 in that one um so i mean he's had time it's i think it's often dependent on matchup and it's also like you know michigan isn't really a team that has just one guy um it's 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 a big ask to have to have someone average you know or or go and consistently put up 20 on this team just because the field goal attempts are 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 shared they all go around you know jordan Poole's going to get his uh iggy's going to get his uh john teske if teams are aren't going to defend the the pick and pop well he's going to take his shots and he's going to roll and finish because you know him and xavier simpson have a really good thing going right now and Isaiah Livers is going to come off the bench and get some attempts. So, you know, I, I don't think he's ever going to be a, a consistent day-in, day-out uh, volume shooter uh, on this team. But, you know, when the identi- when the matchups call for it, uh, he's someone to be utilized. But, you know, so much of his production is based on those little mid-range shots, and that's kind of – it's a 50-50 shot often, so you're going to have to take the misses with the makes. And when he gets into those kind of spin-cycle pivot moves that he does down there – you know, sometimes he turns it into a, into a bucket on one of those little fallaways, and then other times it seems like he misses three, four, five in a row, and it can grow increasingly frustrating. But um, I, I do think he has another level that he's played at right now. Um, but it's for, for Matthews, it's as much about, you know, just keeping it consistent on defense, and, uh, and, and he is doing that. The, the performance that he uh, delivered against Romeo Langford a couple weeks back Uh, was outstanding, and he'll get uh, another shot at that next weekend. Well, you know, the offense is, as we all know, has been very consistent so far this year uh, through 18 games. Uh, Scoring is spread out. One night it's one guy. The next night it's another guy. But, you know, and you just touched on this, it seems like most good teams have a guy, a guy to go to at crunch time, you know, delivers in tight games, takes over, especially late. We don't have that. Do you think that's going to be an issue or could be a problem down the stretch? Uh, no, I think um, you're just going to 
it, it doesn't need to be one guy each time. Um, yeah, I think the most consistent answer will probably be Jordan Poole playing out of the ball screens. Um, but, I mean, if you look back at, at some of the, the great Michigan teams of, of recent years, they've kind of been able to do it a little bit by, by committee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Beeline feels more comfortable in that because, you know, the, the, the key to any opposing scouting report is tendencies. And Michigan doesn't have, you know, it certainly has some tendencies and some teams are identifying them. But, um, you know, the, the fewer you have, the better. Well, Iggy Brazdakis has been better than I think all of us expected. How good do you think this kid can be, Brendan? Uh, I mean, I think he is a guy who will be all, all Big Ten freshman team. Um, he needs to expand his game a, a little bit. Um, his jump shooting uh, early on caught uh, some people off guard, but is kind of returning to maybe what expectations were. In this five-game Big Ten stretch since the beginning of January, he's only made two threes, mm-hmm. and he's seven for 22 overall um, in Big Ten play. So some of those games where he was, you know, kind of banging two or three threes a game, um, you know, the, 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 the truth is probably somewhere in the middle for how good of a shooter he is. And what you're seeing right now in some of the in his production, I think, is keyed on um, the way he's being defended in that he's not really a guy that Michigan can kind of put into a ball screen, let him create the way Jordan Poole can, because he doesn't quite see the floor that way yet. And, you know, he's a freshman and um, it's, it's a lot to ask for that, for a guy to be able to do some of these things of playing the ball screens and, and picking up assists. He, he only has three assists in this five game stretch as well. Um, you know, that's, it's the stuff that, that kind of comes with time. Now, whether Michigan, uh, has the luxury of being able to see that development, uh, that remains to be seen because there's a very good chance that next year that occurs at, at the next level. But um, for, a, for a guy like him to do what he's done this year uh, has been pretty outstanding. But, you know, he, he needs to, he, he's going to have to figure some things out. And I think it's going to take a, a lot of film study for him to really understand what's going on with uh, how teams are, are, are checking him. Here with us on our game day segment this week is the outstanding basketball writer Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit. Uh, Brendan, a couple of weeks ago, back in The Athletic, uh, you did a great piece on how important Isaiah Livers is and could be to this team. Mm-hmm. Could he still be that X factor that gives Michigan the edge again in February and March? Well, yeah. I mean, when you have... Um a guy who can come off the bench and give you a different look. And especially with, with Bryce Dacus, um, you know, showing a bit of a dip as a three point shooter. It, it is a nice luxury to have to be able to, to put livers out there, uh, put him in the corner. And it, it's a much better option to, to stretch out the defense um, because you, you got to keep, you got to keep teams honest. And if, if you can put livers out there, um, you know, teams have to respect him. He's shooting 45% on threes this year. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy to make big shots. And I, I, if anything, I'd like to see a little bit more, uh, of him utilizing his athleticism and mm-hmm. going and attacking the basket. Um, sometimes he does default a little bit to kind of a more passive approach of, you know, taking a floater or taking a step back or, or just passing out of it when he gets ahead of steam going to the basket. Um, you know, he is, he is as good of an athlete as this team has. So, you know, I, I, the, the dunk that he had in transition at Wisconsin 
uh, kind of showed that off. And I'd like to see more of that. And he's already an, an excellent defender. He's one of um, the team's primary communicators on the defensive end in terms of when Luke Yaklich is, is calling things out. You know, a lot of that communication um, is kind of being – it kind of goes through and is translated and communicated by – uh, Simpson, Livers, and Teske. Those are the kind of the big three in that area. That's what Luke Yaklich will tell you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's an, a hugely important player. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting that with the emergence of Teske, we've seen them kind of go away from some of the stuff that um, seemed pretty exciting early on. And one of those things is, uh, when they would go with that small ball lineup with Livers at the five, I think that's still one of the most interesting looks they can throw at teams, but they haven't really done it too much. So um, I'd be kind of curious to see if that comes back uh, at all over the over the second half of this uh, this conference season. I mean, you can bring Isaiah off the bench and plug him in just about anywhere other than point guard, sure. as you mentioned, and who knows? I, I doubt that we'll see him at the point <laughs> ever. Uh, but, you know, that sort of speaks to the depth on this team too. You know, a lot of fans you talk to say they're a little bit worried uh, and you get into February, you want your rotation set. Do you think it's okay now or do, do, do fans make too much of that, that you need to go seven or eight deep? I don't buy into that. I, I think a, a, a proper kind of college rotation when it really gets down to it is, is seven or eight guys. Um, you know, that's, that's what Villanova did and uh, things worked out just fine for them. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that was mo- most of the last three years. That's pretty much what, what they did. Um, and, and Michigan for, uh, for the most part was, was the same way, you know? Um, now they, they thought they were going to have a little bit more depth last year, uh, with a guy like Jerron Simmons and, and things like that. And maybe thought that a guy like A.B. Watson might kind of emerge a little bit more, but really at the end of the day, it was your starting five, Duncan Robinson and Jordan Poole and, and, and Teske giving you some minutes here and there. Um, you know, people forget that you know, Teske certainly showed flashes last year. Um, but if you go back and look at the NCAA tournament, he played, I think, seven minutes against Villanova. He played like he played like two or three minutes against Loyola. Um, you know, he had some games where he touched 12 minutes or 15 minutes or even 20, but it was it wasn't all the time. So. You know, the depth has never been something that, you know, I think mm-hmm. has kept John Beeline awake at night by any means. Well, as uh, Coach B said after the game, no other time. Than, other than injury. Oh, other well, than that's injuries. true. I'll tell you that. That's true. Very <laughs> right. true. Good point. Coach B said after the game uh, on Saturday, no time to dwell on it. A lot of teaching moments from that loss to Wisconsin. Tuesday, uh, we're taping on Monday, so the show airs on Tuesday, but Minnesota pays a visit uh, tonight. They're 14-4, and four, beat Penn State in a close game over the weekend they don't have a point guard, a true point guard, but they are a tough group to play too, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a team that won at Wisconsin so and has uh, probably a pro in Amir Coffey and has uh, one of the better low-post players in the conference in Jordan Murphy, um, has a uh, what's considered a pretty high-level shooter in Dupree McBrayer, although his numbers this year are not that great. I think he's at about 33%. They are – they are a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde um, kind of, you see them play, they, they win at Nebraska or I'm sorry, I think that was a home game. Yeah. They beat Nebraska at home in December uh, and then started January with a, a road win at Wisconsin and it's, Oh man, you know, look at Wisconsin. They're going to they're, uh, look at Minnesota. They're going to make a run here in the league. And then they go and drop um, 
think their one loss was home against Maryland and then lost by like 27 at Illinois where you're just like, how is that even <laughs> possible? So, um, you know, people obviously question their coaching. I think that's always kind of been a thing here. So I am uh, personally, I am, uh, I am not high on uh, Minnesota's chances coming into Chrysler with Michigan coming off of a loss because one of the things, and it's not to feed a narrative too much, but when it really comes to Michigan, I think that one of the keys for what makes this team really good when it's really good is, is when they're a little bit pissed off mm-hmm. and when they take things personally. Mm-hmm. And because when they play that way, it's, that's when it, it really shows on defense. And when they play that level of defense, it feeds to better offense. And that's when you really see the team take off. This is not a team that should, that can go out and play pretty and just, just drop 80 on you and, and run you out of the gym. Like that's not with not who they are. They are a team that needs to go out and outwork you and beat you up and harass you um, both on, out front with Xavier on the wing with Charles and down low with, with Teske um, you know, that's, that's when they're at their best. And when they, when they play defense like that, it inevitably results in better offense because the other team gets worn down. Uh, and then Michigan kind of can take control of, um, of the game, of the pace, you know, of the rhythm and all that stuff mm-hmm. that kind of comes with the flow of a basketball game. That's when they take control. Like that's what they did, in my opinion, um, when they were at their best early this year against Villanova, against uh, North Carolina against Providence. Well, we aren't quite at the midway point in conference play, Brendan, pretty close. But right now, from what you've seen, and I know it's uh, what you've seen the most of is Michigan and Michigan State, but from your vantage point, is there one team you've seen play so far that you can say or might say, yeah, these, this is the team to beat? As of January 21st, mm-hmm. when we were recording this thing, I would say it's Michigan State. Um, I, they are playing as well as maybe anyone in the country today, right now. Um, as you know, as I know, as everyone knows who really follows college basketball, that this could look very different in a month. Right. Um, put it this way. If Michigan State and Michigan played in November, Michigan would have won. If they played in December, Michigan State probably would have won. If they played now, I mean, I think it would be an absolute war. So <laughs> who, who's best right now? It's Michigan State. And they get a chance to, to take down Maryland tonight at home and if they go um and and put it on maryland they are in really good shape in the league and then the rest of this week is a road game at iowa and a road game at purdue if they steal if they come out of this stretch three and oh you know i'm not saying that that i'm not saying they clinch the league by any means but they would have a really nice vice grip on the league standings if they get through this thing at three and oh um that would put them at ten and oh overall at the midway point and uh, that would be really, really impressive. Now, that's going to be extremely difficult to beat Maryland at home, win at Iowa, win at Purdue. But um, the way that Michigan State's playing right now, even shorthanded, I, I think they are fully capable. As you said, it could look completely different at this time uh, next month in late February. And it's such a, it is going to be a grind. It's a, a long, long season. Do you like the 20-game schedule? It's it's so crazy that like it seems like it should be later in the year. Yeah. Right now, and there's still 13 league games to go for, I know for Michigan State at least. Um, but you know, I don't think no one's played more than eight conference games. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a long ways to go. But these teams are going to really uh, beat the hell out of each other. And I'll, it'll be curious to see come NCAA tournament time if, the, if it takes a little bit of an extra toll. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that uh, the 20 game schedule will lead to everyone, you know, being eliminated in the first weekend, but um, it's, it's a tall task to, to, to get through this thing. And uh, whoever does will certainly be well tested. And, you know, if you win the big champ, the big 10 championship in a 20 game schedule, you know, no fan will want to hear this, but you could argue that that's about as impressive as, you know, making a final four or something. But uh, of course, no one will see it that way. Do I like it? I, I don't. I don't know. I, because I kind of get. I'm not from here. I'm not. I didn't. You know. I'm not raised with Big Ten basketball. I look at things more of a, on a little bit of a of a national level or, or other way around. Like um, I, lo- you know, I love mid majors, and uh, the way I look at it is these power conferences going to 20 game schedules will inevitably eat into opportunities for mid majors. So. If that's the residual, then I'm not a fan of it. But as someone who covers Big Ten basketball, it's better to watch more Big Ten basketball, if that makes sense. You know, Coach B was talking, I think a couple of weeks ago, someone asked him, uh, how many losses uh, do you think the Big Ten champion will have? And he, he sort of threw out, it could be 12 and 8, which is, I mean, that's hard to believe. But, you know, the old axiom is you need to split your road games and win at home, which if you split your road yeah. games, that's five losses. I, I think it'll probably be. I think the champion will come out at fifteen and five or sixteen and four. The positive effect of this twenty-game schedule is that the teams, you know, most teams did take care of business in non-conference play. It was a really strong non-conference showing from the league as a whole. And when you have that combined with a twenty-game schedule, the league itself will probably produce a bid or two in the NCAA tournament that it might not have had otherwise. Put it this way. A team like Maryland that had a non-existent non-conference schedule. They just didn't play anybody. Um, you know, if, if they go 11 and 9 or 12 and 8 in the league, like they're in. And whereas last year, Nebraska uh, on a down year in the conference won, what, I think it was like 12 games or 13 mm-hmm. games and didn't make the NCAA tournament. So this year, by it, by the league being overall healthy and non-conference, I think it will get itself eight or nine bids in the NCAA tournament. Well, we're seeing a lot of great uh, basketball in the Big Ten so far this year. Approaching the midpoint, best is yet to come in February and March. Our guest today has been Brendan Quinn from The Athletic Detroit, one of the very best basketball writers out there in the U.S. And we hope to get you back soon. Always a pleasure, Brendan. We thank you for your time, and we look forward to that next visit. Yes, sir. In February. I look forward to it. Very good, Mike. Thanks, man. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, women's basketball picked up a huge win over the weekend at Chrysler beating Ohio State in come-from-behind fashion 62-58. Up next at home is Indiana on Thursday. They are 12-7 overall, 3-4 in conference play. Hockey will be back in action at home on Thursday against Penn State. They are 8-9-6 overall, 4-5 in Big Ten action. Our free show app is available in the iTunes and Google Play stores. 
You can also hear us on iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Wolverine Sports Radio. Later this week or sometime next week, I hope to have our January Extra ready to go with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. That's right, we're going to try to get back into our football recruiting updates. I'll give you a heads up on Facebook and Twitter when that is ready to publish. That will do it for now, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!